Hello and welcome to Talking Baseball. We're recapping game twos of the National League Divisional Series. Both had some awesome moments, some real playoff baseball energy. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to Talking Baseball. It's October 10th, the day before Jake's birthday. My father's birthday's in two days, or it's today. I always forget. Uh, it's brought to you by SeatGeek code JOHNBOY. Postseason is the code to get you 10% off any tickets you want. Even if you've already used the code, go back into the app that you know and you love so dearly or use the website. Go to any event. There's over 70,000 in your area right now. Unless you live in like Ularaga, Nebraska, there's probably 10,000 and it's all rodeos. Code John Boy Postseason, 10% off. Jake, how you doing? Trev, how you doing? James, Trevor, Davis, uh, glad to be with the fellas. Our first non-night shift. Thank you for the people for letting us be able to do that. Um, what a night. Uh, what a night. Can't wait to talk my snakes in a minute. Can't wait to talk some an early talking baseball celebrity, young, thick Austin Riley uh, with a moment. And we get to hear from old, thick Trevor Plouffe. Ooh. Are there a lot of rodeos in Nebraska? I'm not really familiar with Nebraska terrain, to be there's honest. There's gotta with you. be. There's, <laughs> there's gotta be. It's not there than when. I mean, Western. I'm, I'm more of a Montana guy myself. Well, uh, Ogallala, Nebraska, place smells like the roads are paved with horseshit. Uh, I can't wait to hear your guys' takes on some of these plays in these games. Uh, clearly, we had an all-timer from Philly's Braves, so that'll be fun to discuss. But then these pesky... They're not even pesky snakes. These they're, are dangerous, they're, they're... venomous... James, let me finish! Venomous, dangerous, young rattlesnakes that don't know how to control their venom. They're just squirting it everywhere. They're pesky. I agreed with what you said originally. They're dangerous, but they're also... They're not like... They're still sneaking... I don't know they're if they still, them pesky. They're still sneaking around. They're still snakes, you know? They're not knocking on your door and saying, here I bombs. come. I mean, bunting for a base hit in the first. Hey, we're doing, we're going out of order. These socks were given to me by former D-backs bench coach, Pipe Ureta. He's now with the Marlins. They lost. But hey, look at these snake socks. Let's burn it. Does Dalton know I have those? He would wear those every day. He would wear them every day. He would wear those every day. He'll wear them today. Then they won't win again. Don't do it, Dolph. The Phillies would try to win back-to-back poker games in Atlanta while Zach wheeling and dealing for Philly while the Braves hoped Maximus Freed would be the gladiator they needed to get a win. The Bowman isn't too big for Alec, RBI single, and nobody called anyone a JT. Real Muto with a two-run Dong, and after a fifth inning sack fly, it's 4 nothing Phillies. Oh, not again, not again. Ozzy Airborne with the single to score. Ronnie, little Trey error there too. But the Braves would need some heroics. Darn, know what I'm talking about? Travis with the two-run homer to make it a one-run game. Bottom eight, 
I got my peaches up in Georgia. Hit that pitch. One arm swing from young, thick Austin Riley. 5-4 Braves. Would it be enough? A deep drive by Castellanos, but have faith in Michael Harris. 8-5-3 double play to seal it. The first one of those in MLB playoff history as the Braves were brave to take game two, 5-4 final. Good job, Jake. Great job. This is the game of the postseason thus far, in my opinion. Like, we have a comeback, a big comeback. We have loud home runs in front of a home crowd. And then you have, like, a flip-ish play. Like, Jeter's flip play was in the divisional series. People talk about that forever. This was the same level of that to end the game. Uh, Not to stop a run from scoring, but to end the game. Uh, and a, like an out of play guy, out of position guy, kind of, somewhat, but you don't expect him to be there. Like that is, is awesome. This this is like when you watch those replays. I think we found our replay right now that would be to encapsulate like that would you'd put in the time capsule. Thus far, we're early. We're only in the divisional series of like the twenty twenty three playoffs. I think that that uh, catch. Double play to end the game is the play I have going in my time capsule of this postseason thus far. I mean, do we go straight to the double play? Do we talk about the rest of the game? I know the double play was was it. Let's let's do some uh, starting pitching first, so we don't or pitching in general, so we don't get lost in that. Well, I just think that you know this is a tough pill to swallow for the Phillies and Phillies fans. You get up four nothing into the fifth inning, into the sixth inning, and you are feeling good. You've been, you know, you got Wheeler on the mound. You got a bullpen that you love, a bunch of high leverage guys ready to go. You have to be feeling absolutely just so confident uh, in this series, feeling like, hey, it's going to happen again. This is what the Phillies do. This is what we, I mean, we're, we've been saying this too. Phillies, they show up in the postseason. They showed up early in this game. But like to be able to answer back the way they did, and I think I think it starts with the Trey air to me. It, that just kind of like opened the door just a little bit. Let the Braves, you know, up for air, if you will. That's what it kind of felt like. The, you know, the, the Phillies, and this is a weird thing to think about, but like holding the Braves head underwater. You're roughhousing in the pool, Jacob. A couple of young lads roughhousing in the pool. You know, one guy's got him under the water. All of a sudden, the Braves get up for air. They get their strength back, and boom, it, it's it's one in the sixth, two in the seventh, two in the eighth, double play to end it in the ninth. It, it's a snatch job, dude. That's what it is. A freaking snatch. Awesome game to see. I mean, I don't know how far we're going to get into specifics here, but I, I we could because it's – like you said, James, I think this was definitely the game of the postseason so far. I hate it. I hated roughhousing in the pool. I always hate when you bring it up. Your brother must have tortured you. I know Jim tortured Lucas. Um, I like roughhousing in the pool. <laughs> I hate having it's my, dangerous. Having my head held underwater is the worst feeling Wait, in the world. Once you guys see my brother, you're <laughs> okay. Um, I want to do a couple things we'll forget before we get to the things we remember. Uh, top one, nice. Maximus Freed, hunting. Bases loaded. Bryson Stott. Last time we saw him with the bases chucked, um, he sent yeah. it into West Philadelphia. So like, and it was three zero. 
3-0, Max Freed battles back, strike looking, gets the ground out. Um, that's huge. That keeps it at one nothing instead of any other nut number. Zach Wheeler is going to get partially forgotten in this. I mean, he was nasty. Um, he struck out the first six hitters. Um, well, one reached via error. So the, the first six batters he got out uh, come via strikeout. He ends with 10 Ks. And then, yeah, with the Braves hunting for any sign of life, um, you get Ronald Acuna Jr. with two outs. He draws a walk, which, hey, he was. it was 1-2 in that bat. Uh, and Wheeler kept trying to climb the ladder on him because he swung at a high heater. He's patient. He draws the walk, which, hey, MVP Acuna. Like, if we came out of this game and it was, you know, Braves were down to a, where is he? What's he been doing? He takes his walk. Albies. Gets the hit, and then, yeah, Trey kind of doesn't... Castellanos bounces it in there. Trey doesn't scoop it. It's got to be on Trey to field that cleanly. And Ronald Cunha, you know, 70 stolen base season uh, on the bags, takes it, and it's the first run, and you kind of do the shrug. And then I I guess the only thing is we start getting into the big boy stuff because we're just about there. You know, on the the Harper double up on that Michael Harris catch Castellanos hit, um, Ozzy Albies swipes at it to just knock it down. Um, not to like catch it and throw to first. He just sees a ball coming into the infield. He whiffs it, and that actually allows it to go to Austin Riley, who fields it full tilt and fires a hundred percent to first base, which the Kyone's on him to do that. Cause I that's one of my things when I always talk about infielders throwing home. Sometimes you find yourselves in weird position. He's fielding a ball from his center fielder with his momentum going that way and hucks it to Matty Olson with one of the cooler fist pumps you'll see, who Matt Olson doesn't come off as normally that high-T guy when I catch him upstairs in the house sneaking out the window, but he's got that in him too. So it was, um, it was a beautiful night in Atlanta. Austin, <laughs> we keep... <laughs> Jim? Austin Riley said he was... In the position he was, because he was just yelling one 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 and trying to get closer to like them so they would hear him. Yeah. Which brought him into position to make that play. And Harris said he threw it back to second base because he had no idea where Bryce was. He was just getting it in. So it's a crazy storm. And I also don't really blame Bryce for trying to get a bigger it's a little too big and he slips on the way back, but cause I think you're scoring if he misses it even if you're just kind of like there and start going again. But he wanted to score. He's tying run. Um, just an awesome play. He, uh, yeah, so many other things I want to talk about, but we are in the meat of it right now. Mm. So a couple things. I, I oh, uh, should be Riley. He's got the whole play in front of him. Um, Albies and Arcia, they're facing um, Michael Harris in the outfield, like, you know, ready to get the ball back in. They don't necessarily see Harper because he ran past him. So so Riley's got the whole play in front of him. That's why he's yelling one one one. He sees Harper make that base running mistake, um, and that was great. Yeah, brought him close to the ball. The way he fielded the ball and the way he had to contort his body. I know you love that word uh, to get that throw to first base with some zip on it was very impressive. We've been impressed with Young Thick since we asked, "Is he going to be the starting third baseman long term in Atlanta?" That was one tw- twenty. 2019 we were like hey man like you have a 720 ops like you got like you're gonna need to step it up this year and boy oh boy as you stepped it up obviously um 
Harper though, that's it's it's not good base running. It's bad base running. I wish he would have. He kind of owned up to it at the uh, after the game. You get you go to second base right there. You get to second base, put your foot on the base if you want, and just see what happens with the play. There's no reason to go past the base, none whatsoever, especially in that situation because the outfielders are going to be back. It's like a no double situation. You can't allow the tying run to score, so you're going to be back. You know, so you have to understand where their position. And then that's just kind of like honestly, it's base running one on one. Yeah, you don't go past the base right there. But if, I mean, if it does drop, you're at second base. Worst case scenario, you're at third base. Second and third, one out. Worst case scenario, you're probably going to score depending on the carom that the ball takes. So it's it was it wasn't good. If it and, drops and, then, and he scores, we say Bryce plays with his hair on fire. Like great for running. I I agree it's a bad play, but I just think that's who he is. Like. He saw that go that, a little higher and farther than he wanted, and he wanted to be fucking score and get home. So it took a perfect relay to get him. That's where I can't get on it too much. Like it's it's a bad play. I agree. It wasn't a perfect relay though. Well, if, the, if, if he would have thrown it to it, one of the infielders, he would have been out by not perfect 30 feet. freak, like crazy. It, relay. it wasn't. I, know, I can't. I, I, I can't defend simply. the base running. You can't. I. For me, the only part that's tough on it is Michael Harris, too, is a world-class defender, and it looked like he had somewhat of a beat on it the whole time. So don't get me wrong. I get where Harper's... I, I think the word is risk. Like, I, I think Harper crunched the risk equation in his head, and he said, hey, th- this is going to be close. If, it, if that ball touches the ground, I want to score. I know there's a chance I'm going to get doubled up if Michael Harris, too, one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball, does catch it. And he did. Um, and I think there was, everyone kind of had that whoa moment yeah. when, when it cuts back to the infield and you see Harper's little legs cut across the middle infield. You're like, wait, was that, was that Bryce? Um, it's a mistake. Uh, it's a mistake. I, I think... What both you guys are saying isn't too far off, but if you do take that risk, which he did, you do have to say it's a mistake. And um, great great play by Michael Harris, too. It is funny, and that's why I mentioned Albies before. If you watch the replay, he just swipes at it to try to knock it down because he sees the ball going past him, that if he just bops it down with his glove, Bryce gets back to first, and we never, we never yeah. bring that up, and we talk about, wow, Bryce was being aggressive, and oh, my God, what a play and all that. Um, also, if Bryce doesn't slip, his wheels come out from under him, getting back to second, which costs him like a step, step and a half. It's still just not like the base running. Play. Well, I agree with and that, Trav. I'm just crowd, trying to crowd, talk about it. The, the crowd comes into play there as well. I mean, they're going nuts. So Michael Harris just throws the ball in the second base, which is kind of what he's supposed to do. Because he's like, well... He doesn't know if Harper's tagging. Yeah, I don't no want idea. Bryce. To, I don't want Bryce to tag, so he just throws it in the middle of the field, which is fine because you ha- you you just expect your infielders to be there. Gets past them, and you know maybe they line up a little bit differently or try something different if they can hear Austin Riley yelling one 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 one. But in that moment, the place was going nuts. It was an, I mean, honestly, it just an incredible play. Austin Riley took the game over at the end. Um, and I think I, I hope well Michael Harris is getting a bunch of love for it too because you know I'm, I'm on the on MLB's website and it's talking about Michael Harris's game-ending catch. I thought it was going to be more about Austin Riley and about the homer and the relay. I'm glad that Michael Harris is getting his flowers too because that was you know 
You make plays, great. You make plays in those moments, that's the difference. That's that's why you pay a guy like that early on in his career because you believe he can do it. And he, he just steps up time and time again for that team, dude. I, I, I love it. But for the Phillies, I think it's a couple base running plays. I'm curious to get your guys' take on this. We're going to go back all the way to the first inning now. Uh, who hit it? Was it Castellanos? Uh, singles to Rosario. And they don't send Bohm, I believe. Two outs. Now, Rosario was getting talked to, like he was getting put down by the after the game crew, Jimmy Rollins, Curtis Granderson, and Pedro Martinez kept saying, it's Rosario. Why didn't you run on Rosario? Do they know Rosario's led the league in, in outfield assists like three or four times throughout his career? This guy doesn't have a lollipop arm out there. But in that situation, I kind of agree. I think you got to just send him. The I think you got to go and be aggressive and try to get up 2 nothing right there. The answer to that is no, they don't know that. And the follow-up to that, because <laughs> you've, you've told us about Eddie's arm out there, like Eddie's always had an arm going back to his Minnesota and accurate. days. But, Trev, I told you this the other day, Storielli scouting test, Bohm's, Bohm's legs don't move like you think he would. Like, I run, run into first. I know it's young guy, he's got the hair, and he plays next to Trey, and they kind of look like cousins, but Bohm's not a speed guy, and that was on a line to Rosario. I... I was full no send in the moment. I, I think he would have been meat at the plate. And then you mentioned that stadium going nuts. Like they throw out Bohm to to end the first inning and, and you just created like a crazy, crazy atmosphere for you. So yeah. no, I'm not on the send. I have it queued up now and he's he's at third when Rosario's got the ball in yeah. his glove. So it I think he gets him if he if he uh it, makes I a think so decent too. throw. Because the play, the, the throw came in and it was accurate, but they were talking about that a lot after the game. They kept dissing Rosario. I was like, guys, and he might not have a str- as strong of arm as Acuna, but go like he's led the league in assists many times, so at least at least twice that I know of. And hey, like I I like Bone, but you got to know who you are as a player. Like he was thirty first percentile sprint speed. Like I, you know, I Ooh. I know you don't normally think of like young, like he's a young athletic guy, but he. He's I don't a, think of him as a speedster. He's not a no. he's not a he's not a runner. So no, I, I don't I don't think that was the wrong move. If you um, want to nitpick like it's the Turner bobble. Like that if you want to try and like nitpick the one run, that that's the oh, and yeah. the good base running by Ozzy to score on it. Well, I want to talk about the home run a little bit, Trev. It's a, it's a great at-bat by Riley. He goes up there versus Hoffman, who he's faced a couple times now, and who's pitched a ton for the Phillies down the stretch. Uh, I just look at his game log. Dude hasn't gone like two days without pitching since September 1st. Twice he did three days rest. Uh, and Riley swings huge at first pitch slider. And almost like he's on it. Like he's that's the pitch he wanted to swing at. Then he takes the fastball, the second pitch, and it looked to me like he was not, he was still sitting off speed, kind of, or just was going to let it go. It was high. Then he switches. He's on the fastball, swings and misses. Huge swing and miss at the fastball. And then two strikes, he buckles down, works the count full. Big thing is they get uh, Acuna to third, so now Hoffman's not really going to spike the slider in the dirt. He's 2-2. You'd think he goes slider. He goes to the fastball because he doesn't want another pass ball. It's a tying run on third. And then he has to 3-2. He goes slider, puts in the zone. And Riley swings. It's way different than his first swing. It's so reactionary. It just literally throws the barrel of the bat at the ball with one arm. 
uh, and like a silly follow through. I was it's a two strike approach that led to a crazy big homer. Yeah, I mean. Hoffman was getting questioned about the pitch selection there after the game. And, you know, they were saying that Riley had a bit on fastballs and you probably should have went back to that. It's all hindsight. That's Hoffman's pitch. I mean, his best pitch is his slider. It's got a positive nine run value on it. Um, and Riley, you got to get credit sometimes, dude. You're right. He worked a great at bat. And I love the visual of the top hand coming off of the bat because that's Riley just doing anything he can to stay through the ball a little bit out in front. You're a little bit fooled and you just kind of try to extend that bottom hand, just try to keep it going. Uh, and at that point of the swing, you don't even need your top hand. If you're, if you already, if you've already got your hips through and the, and the barrels on its way through the zone, I mean, it's going. So uh, the one handed thing is, is awesome to see, but it shouldn't necessarily affect, you know, exit velo or anything at that point. Uh, but it's more so him, like I said, doing everything he can to to stay through the ball instead of having that top end on the bat and kind of maybe rolling it over as you get to the end of your swing. So, I mean, just an incredible at bat. I mean, a, a season-saving at bat. A season-saving last two innings for Austin Riley. If they lose this game, we lo- we know the numbers. It's 90%. They're out. Uh, going back, going back to Philadelphia. Good luck. And instead, they got a little momentum. Now you got to go face Nola in Philadelphia. But I mean, the alternative is death. <laughs> so good, good job, Austin. Right? I mean, this was a this was a great game. And, and I think I hope this game. I hope this goes five games. This is this is is this the series of the playoffs? Well. Yeah, it's a heavyweight bet. I mean, like you, you hate to yeah. do like lame kind of sports analogies, and you know we got our boxing guy Kenobio around, but this is heavyweights. We talked about this. Oh, this is stars. God. These are the past two NL champions. These like, are stars on this. There's, there's studs all over the. Like there's there's nobody in the lineup. Like shout out to my guy Perdomo right now, who's like if he's got a chance to bunt, they're just taking it. Like there's nobody Love like it. that Love on the it. field right now. Um, and I I think we also have to talk about um. Like, Austin Riley, obviously, it's a moment that's going to get remembered, like, in Atlanta for, well, (laughs) for either a week or for a bunch of years, depending how the rest of their playoff run goes. But, um, yeah, he he releases on that, and good thing he did, because if he keeps both hands on it, maybe it's off the end of the bat, and you see that ball come down in the Swamp Monster, Brandon Marsh's glove, and that could be a dagger to Atlanta's magical season. It's not. I think the other thing that really needs to be talked about some managerial decisions. One, coming into the game, Travis Darno gets the start. And it's like, okay, Sean Murphy, he's been in a little bit of a funk. Brian Snicker presses that card. Uh, Darno had a couple couple not so great at bats. And he, had, he threw the ball away into center field, which allowed the Phillies to score a run. And you're like, whoa, like, you know, we're doing this managerial who's pressing what buttons. Did he press the wrong button with Darno? Darno takes him up top for the two-run homer to bring them back into the game. That guy, you talk about dudes who flatline, uh, zero emotion from him uh, during the home run when they had the, the they got the last out. Like you see Matt Olson losing his mind and everyone else. They did the Super Bowl like a final shot around the horn of everyone freaking out, and Darno's like not even awake. Um, I'll never understand guys like that because I'm clearly the opposite. Um, but. Also, Zach Wheeler, who had been dominant, 
The NL format has been weird. Off day, game off day, game off day. The last time we saw Philadelphia's bullpen, they looked pretty good, right? Sir Anthony Dominguez seemed like he was putting himself back out there. We didn't see Kimbrell in this one uh, because it didn't go to a save situation. Uh, Orion Kirkering, talking baseball favorite. To start that inning uh, before the Darno homer, it's Olsen, Ozuna. Do I have that right? Uh, yeah, it's Olsen, Ozuna, Darno, um, and then it would have been Rosario. They pinch it for Pilar when, when they bring Alvarado out. But playoff baseball, you could have pulled the plug on Wheeler there. You could have said he got you to the seventh, and you've got Alvarado up in the bullpen, and Olsen uh, is coming up. They let Wheeler ride. Olsen gets the single. He strikes out Ozuna, Darno homer. So, um, you know, when you're looking back at this, at the buttons that got pressed, the Darno button ends up looking obviously incredible. Um, and then I, I don't know. I don't know how, how much Philly fans are questioning that because Zach Wheeler did look so good. But you have the fully fresh bullpen, and we've seen teams around the league, you know, that 100-pitch starting pitcher limit in the playoffs seems like it turns into 80-85. Wheeler was right around there. Um, and then also comedy, yeah. comedy show in the ninth inning. Bryce Harper's about to lead off. Okay, so here comes Reisel, right? Well, no, uh, we're going to send Minter out there because he's lefty, and Harper is 7 for 10 with four homers off Reisel Iglesias. You can't, you know, you can't you pitch can. Reisel. You can't. I I love, I love the Braves. Just have a guy in the holster like Darno. You know, we he's a great hitting catcher and has had many big hits in the postseason, and he's kind of just your your backup guy. And really, the reason he was in there was because he's been catching Max. So it wasn't like you know, let's go get you a homer tonight, big fellas. Like, hey, you're lined up to catch Max, but if you pop one, that'd be great. And sure as shit, he did. I, I I was interested in them keeping Wheeler in because in the broadcast, they made it seem like he had a couple conversations and that Wheeler was going to be out. We saw the bullpen going. All of a sudden, it was like a surprise, at least as we were watching the games as fans, that Wheeler did go back out there. Um, that's, yeah, it's going to be talked about for a lot. And you're right. You know, he hadn't even given up an earned run at that point. So it's, I think everyone in Philadelphia was okay with having your guy on the mound until. Darno hits the freaking homer. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, he looked pretty I mean, sharp the last two innings too. I think he he breezed through the fifth because then it was like five no hit, and then then the sixth was also pretty easy. I think he pitched around Acuna, and that's all. Yeah, no, he, it's nothing. I don't think there was anything wrong with that situation. It was just you know Darno. Got him. Gonna happen. Yep. All right. You excellent game. Excellent series. You want to switch over to uh, the D-backs Dodgers? See Peter Moylan in the stands. You see that vid, Jim? No. Yeah, he was oh, going nuts. Relax, Peter. You need to see that. A man of the How people. How many beers did you drink, Peter? A man of the people. A lot. Showing off for his daughter. Showing, showing her the juice he's got in the stands. I'd do the same thing. That's he does it, have juice there. Though, that that kid, Australian guy in the South, runs, weird. Kind of walks around like a perked up kangaroo. Um, <laughs> gotta find this clip. You like it? Um, gonna be, is it going to be Peter Moylan versus Coach Trev in this in the World Series? Wow! Braves Twins, nineteen ninety. 
one. I think it's Storielli, Diamondbacks. Um, Whoa. Can I tell you guys about Babel before we talk about that next game a little bit? Yes. Right. I love Babel. Picture this. <laughs> Travel in. You're sitting at your Thanksgiving dinner. Oh. Some white meat, dark meat, taters, sweet potatoes, and you mm. surprise your family by starting an argument. I mean, a discussion in a new language. Yes. Pardon my French. I dream of that. In the Plouffe household. Thanksgiving dinner because Babel, you start speaking a new language in just three weeks. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new lingity in as little as three weeks. And they're going to give you a special limited-time deal for our listeners to get you started. Get 55% off. What? 55. What I'm talking about, Some Babbel. Call it the Hideki Matsui. 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners. At Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash talking. It's 55% off. There's a link in the description. Uh, Parlez-vous francais? You might if you start taking Babbel. Need this. I am going. Mark my words. Okay. <laughs> by spring awesome. training next year, using Babbel, I will be fluent in Spanish. And me and all the uh, Latinos are just going to be solid, bro. We're going to be chopping it up. We're going to be like, you guys don't even know how to speak Spanish. Peace. We'll be, we'll be making fun of you in Spanish. You don't even know. That's my dream. Me and all the Latin guys, we're going to be so solid by then. Yeah, that's what you're going to keep sounding like that. <laughs> and I'll be making fun of you with my guys. Not wait for your big brother. With the primos. D-backs. Well, Dodgers. Burn, Jakey Burn. It's Miller time in L.A., which Dodgers fans would hope meant Bobby shoved and not that they'd have to console themselves with about 11 light beers if they get snake-bitten by Arizona once again. There's all these snakes on these motherfucking bases. Walker, Moreno with (laughs) run-scoring outs, but oh, Lord, is trouble so hard. RBI single, it's 3-0 D-backs after one. Bottom four, former snake charmer J.D. Martinez drops his snake on you. 3-1, but oh, Lord, is trouble so high. Solo homer, it's 4-1. Could the snakes hold Gallon? 5.1, two earned runs, gets pulled with the pen hold. Sal Frank, Thompson, Ginkle, Seawald sure did. What mental fortitude by the D-backs as they win game two, four to two. Ooh. That's your dream right there. Snakes win four to two. Showed great fortitude. That is your dream. I got a lot of dreams. That's one of them. One of them. These first inning snakes. Uh, They must have the best... It's a combination of things. They must have the best scouting report team on starting pitchers ever. They're at bats in the first inning versus Bobby Miller. Then they're at bats versus Brazier. We're wild. And their ability to barrel up 98, 99, 100-mile-per-hour fastballs. Now, I get it. 
uh, Miller's got no movement on that. So you get Bridger, who's got some movement, and then you get fucking Brewstar, who I don't care if the Dodgers lost. He's still the star of my show. I mean, that dude casually throws 100 miles per hour the same way I throw my sock into the laundry basket. It's insane. Uh, but he had so much movement. But anyway, the Diamondbacks were incredible. And when they, you know, Carroll works a walk to start it off. Then they bunt for a base hit. And then the next pitch, Tommy Pham drops down like, yeah, I'll bunt too. What up? And I'm like, God damn it, guys. What are you doing? <laughs> and when they do connect, they barrel it. But they're also going to try to run. You know, Carroll's up. But Carroll was up with two outs that one inning. Um, so, and they got thrown out stealing, but you're like, whatever, we have the top up, you know, he keeps the top fresh with no outs. So it's a good time to run. So they take like really calculated risks with their pesky aggressive play. It's really fun to watch. It's almost in my, in my brain, I am, uh, saying they're a product of the new baseball and showing, showcasing like the full game, which is awesome. Pitching, slugging, base running, grinding out at bats, bunting, stealing. Like, in this series, they've showcased everything. Even in this game, four stolen bases, two sack bunts. That's kind of hilarious. Uh, Knowing where baseball was and kind of where it's at now, I mean, that's... Two sack bunts? So, like, the first was a bunt for base hit, so three bunts? Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing. I've been on the other side of this many times, and it doesn't feel good. When you get down, what was it, six nothing yesterday uh, in the first game, and then three nothing before you even get to hit, it sucks. It's not fun. What are you supposed to? I mean, dude, it puts pressure on your offense. And this is here's like the the whole series so far, and I know it's two games, people, but bear with me on these numbers. Um, the snakes first four hitters. Uh, 1.6, 816, 977, 850. That's their OPSs. That's their first four hitter. For the Dodgers, 125, 542, 750, 393. If your big boys aren't getting it done, and that's what the Dodgers have right now, a very top-heavy lineup, and if they're not coming through, you're not going to win games. That's the bottom line right now. Snakes come out and get you right away, get you early. Plenty of time to come back if you're the Dodgers or so you think. But if your top producers aren't producing, and I guess you got to give credit to Zach Gallen um, for holding them down. But that's that's it. Like they haven't they haven't hit. The Dodgers haven't hit, and the Snakes continue to just put pressure on them and score runs when they need to, and 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 add on. And it just it looks like two different brands of baseball right now. And the snakes brand is name brand. How about that one? Nice. Snake skin. Mm-hmm. Now you're just saying things. <laughs> freak Tamlin at the end there. I just um, wanted to add on. I, uh, Corbin Carroll is currently, I think the biggest threat in the playoffs. Um, yeah. he, in his first playoffs, He's getting on base at a 632 clip. He's got a 1.632 OPS. Um, in every now four playoff games, four road playoff games that the Snakes are undefeated in, uh, Corbin Carroll has gone on base at least twice. Um, the top of that lineup, uh, Cattell Marte, I mean, is a guy who's been doing it for a long time now, switch hitter, so he's always in like an okay matchup. 
Uh, he feels like a threat. He's almost, it feels like he's playing with a little bit like, oh, you guys are interested in Corbin Carroll? Like, I had some fucking big years in the desert, and, and you guys weren't tuning in. And then Tommy Pham. Is that what he says? The biggest, like, MFer in the best way in baseball. Like, Tommy Pham, he'd... <laughs> He could be playing one on nine versus the Dodgers, and he'd like he'd go out there and do it because he doesn't care. When he ran up his hands to bunt, it was like, wow, these snakes are going to mess with you in every aspect of the game. Um, snakes take the big lead. Bobby Miller, rookie in the playoffs, like it's it's tough, man. Uh, he finishes with one point two. They obviously go to their pen. It's not do or die, but as close as you can get to it without being do or die. And going back to the last game. Zach Gallen's at 84 pitches. He's Zach Gallen. Like, he's the dude you knew on the Snakes coming into the past couple seasons. Um, which, by the way, A, a treat to watch. I mean, the pitch mix, the location. Like, with all these guys that are now pumping hundo, and I get it. Like, if you get a hundo with movement and you put it anywhere in the zone, that's harder to, to hit sometimes than 93 on a corner. But when you can pitch like Zach Gallen, he was dotting. Like, he was the corners of that little TV Strike zone box was beautiful, but Tori Lavello, I just, you know, I mentioned Philadelphia, Topper, they keep Wheeler out there. Um, Tori Lavello goes to the rookie, Andrew Salfrank. Yeah. Hello. Uh, with, I think, 10 innings pitched in this regular season. He puts it in for the Dodgers' lefty platoon, part of their lineup. So Dave Roberts has to make a decision. Am I going to go for this? Yes, I am, because we're the Dodgers, and we play the matchup. So in that sixth inning, they bring out all their righties. Sal Frank uh, gets it done, kind of, slash he passes the baton to Thompson, who has looked fantastic. And just a little note, because I think we need to talk about that a little more. Uh, Hazen, the D-backs GM, who just got extended through 2028, quiet deadline, right? Like, nothing crazy. We wondered, you know, would they be a Giolito team or who... Who, who could they go out and get? They got Tommy Pham, who is their third hitter in this game and a couple playoff games. And they got their closer, Paul Seawald, who came out and dropped it on them confidently. So, you know, as you look back at what can you do at the deadline, <laughs> I don't know, middle of the lineup bad in your closer, that ain't bad. Yeah, I mean, that's great points, Jake. I think it came down to a 6 seven, eight. For the Dodgers, they had chances there. You mentioned the inning where Sal Frank comes in. They load the bases up there. Um, and then Kike gets the, like the infield hit, gets it to 4-2. Outman's up there against Sal Frank and just puts up a non-competitive bat. Say it. And the guy strikes out a lot, and that's part of what you have to give if you're going to get, you know, he plays good center field. He's got some pop. Uh, but in that situation, the swings were bad. It was just a bad at bat. It, it wasn't. You know you're going to get sliders there from the lefty, and he was just pulling off like he wanted to hit a, a grand slam to right field, and that's like you can't have that approach at that situation. You got to get that run in, whatever it takes. You got to get the run in, get it to a one run game. Uh, things change drastically, and he has a bat at bat, and then that freaking ogre comes in, mm. and Colton Wong's in there, and Colton Wong is not hit this year. It's it's been it's been bad, and at the end of the game, I knew it when Golden Wong grounds out that that bat thread over. I knew it at the end of the game they were going to have those guys come up again, 
And it's that's not exactly what you want or you expect as a Dodgers fan. Like that bench is kind of thin there for the Dodgers. And it showed late in the game. The next two innings, seven and eight, double plays. Freddie Freeman hits into one. Uh, I forget who else hits into the other one. But the Diamondbacks middle infield looked Perdomo and Marte, pretty stuff they were working with. Um, so Dodgers had some chances, but again, top of the order didn't show up. Bench is a little thin right now. Very thin. Doesn't look good. Very thin, and you're and you're platooning them so that you're getting then pinch hit at bats, and then you're getting a guy that's like not in the game. Like at some point, they got to do the math on okay, this guy is his third time in the in third at bat of the game, but it's the same handed pitcher as him. But what outweighs what? Like Colton Wong off the bench versus just because it's the opposite hand versus a guy who's at least like, you know, been in the rhythm of the game. I don't know. I just feel like we're, some of the teams are a little too loose with just like, well, platoon, here we go. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. Colin Wong's been bad all year. Hope he gets better next year and has some fun, but like, did he get two at bats? Yeah. So that's, yeah, he did. Like that's where Tori Lavello, like one gallon did the adrenaline dump after striking out Freddie. Uh, he screamed his whole ass off the mound. He tried to calm down by the time he reached the white line and keep it in check. That's something I've been way more tuned in since Moylan told me about it. That like, And then Smoltz, he said it on the broadcast for the game the other day. Maybe it was Smoltz, I don't know. Basically, so it's a fun thing to watch for. If a pitcher screams his ass off the mound to the dugout, especially reliever, they say you got to take him out. That's what Moylan said, and that's what Smoltzy said. Like, that, he just dumped all his adrenaline. It's hard to work back up. And when starters just beeline it and, like, stay cool, calm, it's because they're trying their best to keep all that in check. Mm-hmm. And Gallon, you can see him. He yells, he screams. You can see him kind of, like, get back in there. Comes out the next inning. No idea if it's really that or this or that. But um, then Lavello makes him make the switch. So either good for both reasons. One, get Gallon out of there. He did his job take the bullpen, they're all going to be get first looks anyway and force them to use the bench. Dodgers can't be treating this bench the same way they've had treated benches in the past. Totally agree. And if you look at their trade deadline, they didn't get a middle of the order bat. Or, I mean, they got Joe Kelly, who he looked filthy. He was doing some skit pitching on my guy Longo last night. Longo's not stoked on that at bat whatsoever. 99 down the awesome. middle. He's like, whatever, bro. Fucking sure. Awesome. Um, so you get Joe Kelly and Lance Lynn... Had some bad starts, had some good starts. I think he is he gonna get the start in game three? Supposed to. Kike. Kike and, and Ahmed Rosario. Ryan Yarbrough's not even on the roster. Like Wong. I I and Wong. I like the addition of Kike to your bench. I think he brings a lot of versatility. Um I'm good with that. But you expect a little bit more from the Dodgers, and they just didn't they didn't they didn't do it. Well, it's and what... here 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 comes the the part of the season where you need those reinforcements that you could have got at the trade deadline, you didn't get them. And that's, I, I, I was shocked. I, I was typing out mid tweet and I was like, damn, like he's going to sell Frank for that Dodgers, like pure lefty lane. It's where we, we talked about this when we were, I don't know, late night wonky crew talking about critiques for the potential Dodgers and, and maybe why they don't have uh, more titles. Um, you know, coming into that game, Zach Gallon's out there. So they put in their lefties. They put in Jason Hayward, who had an awesome year for them. Peralta. Uh, and then it's James Outman, who stays 
uh, via lefties. He's played all year this year. They put out the rookie, Sal Frank, six inning. You pull Sal Zach Frank. You pull Zach Gallant. Um, who is the basketball player yeah. whose nickname is both his grandpa's nicknames combined? That's what Sal Frank sounds like to me. Um, oh, Iverson, Bubba Chuck. Sal Frank. A little AI didn't, for you. A little didn't know AI that. Didn't for know the that. kids okay. from John Boy. You didn't have that. You didn't today. know AI? Nickname his whole life was Bubba <laughs> Chuck? Didn't, like, didn't know that's you what... knew who Alan Iverson was? <laughs> what? I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, actually. You are alive. <laughs> thought you were a Yankee guy, bro. Chris Taylor, who I uh, think it's been a little bit of a funky year for him, but he's, you know, they, they bring him in. He takes some, some daddy cuts. Kike, who's back with him. And, yeah, I, I was surprised. I thought Roberts wasn't going to press the button there because I thought he'd say, hey, this part of the lineup is going to come up probably for the end of the game that, um, you know, I'm going to lose that matchup. Like, when, when Chris Taylor and Kike stay out there, they're going to face Gink Job or Seawald or Thompson. Um, but he did, and that's where these playoff baseball games that are high and tight, if Dave Roberts pressed the button and – Chris Taylor and Kike put balls in the gap and the Dodgers come back and save their season, we'd be like, hey, and how about Dave Roberts pressing the button and it saves the Dodgers season? No, instead it's, okay, so Dodgers for the last three innings have no bench. You need a pinch runner? No, you're out. You need a pinch hitter? No, you're out. Um, I don't know, kind, kind of crazy that, I mean, our guy Tori Lovello, uh, and he's got, he's, his stoic manager top step pose has gotten really good. Like, it's it's gotten that little bit natural, like, sad anger in the face, even though, like, the snakes are dominating the series. Um, I liked him complimenting uh, Roberts mid-interview because he's like, smart move by Dave, bring in Bruce Starr, stop the momentum, I like it. He's like, all right. He's a dude. He's a nice guy. And that was a smart move by Dave Roberts. But ultimately, your starting pitcher needs to get you innings if you want to win the series. So if they did come back to win it and the bats came alive, you'd say, good move to use Bruce Starr and then like just like stop the mess. But like, you know, it's a, and it's putting out a fire with a dry rag. Mm. Ooh. A uh, couple of points here I want to clean up. There is no actual button that the manager presses. I feel like oh. you keep saying that. Don't mislead the people, okay? That's how he goes. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't make it to the show, Trev. That's on me. <laughs> well, just letting you know. Thank you. There's no button. Okay. There's the catcher's press buttons. Me now. and Marshall are going to fuck your They shit do up. press. <laughs> <laughs> fuck your day up. Marshall has my back no matter what. Um, not in the pool. Whole different world. Thought I had something else to say. About uh, Tory and the snakes, but now I'm kind of forgetting. Can I can I throw they're, something they're, out there? They're they're doing it, man. Like they're they're going to win this series. Oh, now we're talking. Um, I think a couple other things do need to be mentioned. Uh, for all we're talking about, Dave Roberts and the you know button or not button pressing. Um, Carol, Marte, and Fam uh, all have slugging over 500 in the playoffs. The top three in their lineup: Betts, Freeman, and Will Smith. Um, their numbers are not where they'd like to be. Obviously, it's two games for them. But, Trev, Freddie Freeman, you know, we're talking about James Outman, the rookie, in a big spot, left on left. Um, he gets beat after getting it to a 3-1 count, sure. Freddie Freeman watching uh, that 3-2 curveball from Gallon. I mean, hey, that's a great pitch from a great pitcher, but 
This Very is the playoffs. Pitch. That's Freddie Freeman, man. That um, to see him go down looking, I think that that sent a jolt through everyone. Like, whoa! <laughs> like the the snakes are really doing this. That was great pitching. I just finished editing a video on it, and great pitch calling, and Gallon's um, tunneling is unbelievable. I mean, I don't just totally called Freeman's bluff. Like that is ballsy pitching. Yeah, bat went forcing fastball up top because he needs to establish that. And he works everything off that. Then he went change up off of it. Then he went, okay, here's a fastball. It's a cutter. Freddie swings at it and kind of shakes his head like, fuck. Fouls it back. That's the pitch to hit. Then he goes curveball below the zone, curveball below the zone. And Freddie kind of, he's just in protect like swing mode a little bit. So he kind of like jostles with the pitch, but he recognizes it enough. Actually, he, sw- he struck out the first one. The umpire said no swing. It's for my D-backs fans. I showed the side angle and he, he I... Could have been rung up there. And then 3-2, Freddie's thinking, throw me that fastball that I saw first pitch. You got to throw a strike here. And he goes high fastball three or high curveball. Three curves in a row. Uh, and this one, he goes, no, I'm going to go ride that high plane from that very first four seam you saw. It's crazy, the overlay. No, he's, yeah, he's, he is a pitcher with stuff. And he's smart, and he sequences like you just said. He, he's a ton of fun to watch. Who was the first on him? Was it you, James, or was that you because you're the snakes guy, Jake? I don't know about first on. Um, well, he, I think he, he was my guy because I before he was a stud, I loved his. He was my five innings pitch, two and runs, six innings pitch, two and runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like every he never like, yeah, like he never lost you a game. He, he had the start quality start streak. Yeah, so that yeah that we. we we brought that to the national stage because we're the number one baseball show in the world. Number one snakes team in the world. Uh, I got something for Dodgers fans here. This is not Dodger blue, by the way. This is not Dodger blue. It looks a lot like actually the St. Paul Saints. We got it. Looks like similar blue. Um, Last thing, a little bit of silver lining for Dodgers fans. And this is me. This is complete conjecture right here. That's fine. Bobby Miller, rookie. Has a really good first year in the big leagues. This start's going to stink for him. Confident guy, goes out there, does not do his job in the playoffs. I think this is going to spark his offseason. That's that's kind of all I have. Okay. You come off a rookie season where everything kind of goes right for you, and maybe you play it safe in the offseason. You kind of take a vacay and you... And you, you know, take the gym kind of seriously and you do your, you know, you're not really trying to fix anything because it went so well. He's going to go into the offseason and and want to be better. And I think that's going to ultimately be good for his career. Understanding that like, hey, man, like I got to continue to work even at the big league level. Um, Because that was a rough start for him and they were kind of, depending on him, which isn't that fair. We talked about like having to depend on a rookie guy to save your season. Uh, didn't work out. I guarantee we're going to hear stories in spring training. Oh, Bobby Miller looks great. Nice. Did you bet on Miller? Got to work on a two-seam or cutter. Something. Yeah. Yeah, he, I, that's something. He's going to go into the lab and say, I got to be better. How can I get better? 
Final takes and a little teaser for today's action is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook. As you know, baseball playoffs, hot in the streets, and you can be hot in the streets. If you bet $5 on baseball, you will get $200 instantly in bonus bets. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TALKING. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code TALKING. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut. Help is available for prom gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort, Kansas, licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus, ages varied by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, cdkng.co slash baseball for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Um, hey, I, you know, I don't, I don't take pleasure in doing this because um, we, we were doing it on the live streams and it's something I, I complimented Dodger fans on during the season. I, I mentioned Freddie, who he gets, he gets beat in that um, gallon at bat. Mookie with an 0 for 4, and I think three of the four at-bats were two pitches or less. Um, so I don't know. When, when you think of Mookie bets, playoffs, that's not normally what you think of. Um, and those are, those are their guys. Those are the billboard. Those are everything. Yeah, they, I mean, they, if the Dodgers have, want to have any chance in this series, I mean, those guys have to go. You have to have massive games from Mookie and Freddie, and, you know, it's – Hasn't happened. And there's been a lot of talk around LA. A lot of my friends, I'm on a group chat talking about, yeah, just what you said. Those those at bats. Yeah. Well, that's I'm I'm on the live stream and I'm I'm saying like, oh man, like get ready for this. Like Mookie and Freddie this time through the lineup, like you're gonna see you're gonna see a pro at bat, and then it's like, oh. Oh. Hey, Stacey you know you pitch. do? Arizona pitching. Tip that cap. All righty. We'll see you tomorrow or tonight. We're live streaming tonight. If you're around, uh, we'll see if the Baltimore Orioles season ends. Rangers, Orioles, um, Kramer versus Ivaldi. And this afternoon, Trevor Plouffe's Minnesota I'm Twins. So Sonny excited. Gray and Javier. <laughs> I am so excited for this matchup. It's a 1 o'clock PST start for me, so I'm going to be like sitting. Oh. I might put some stuff on the grill, watch mm. it. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I will be tuned in. And then, yes, tonight. I think we're going to record Yeah, tonight. Late night sesh. And then we'll record. Socks. Let's go, twins. Let's go, twins. Let's go, twins. Is the place going to be rocking, Trev? I love they're talking about Minnesota as a raucous atmosphere now. The best in the postseason. Yes, it'll be rocking.